When I was 11, I told my best friend I was going to make a comic book. I was going to write it and draw it, give it to him and the other kids in my school. I even gave myself a deadline. I said it was going to come out in one month. I went home and drew something I was happy with, then proceeded to second-guess myself and redraw and erase and so on and so on and so on until I hated it and myself and tore it up, threw it in the garbage. Maybe you've experienced something like this. Maybe someone has told you you can't or you shouldn't or it's not important or serious. Or worse yet, maybe you've told yourself. I never made that comic. Fast forward 10 years, and I was in college, working on music. I'd sit in my bedroom for hours and write and sing and play guitar and endlessly search for records and sounds to sample. I wanted to share my music with my friends, but it sits on my hard drive. Fast forward six years, and I had an idea for a story. I folded and cut pieces of paper, stapled them together, wrote and drew my story. And I had hope. I never said it to myself, but I could feel it. The hope was to share it. But then I read an article mocking the sort of story I had written, and I ended up never showing it to anyone. Fast forward seven years, and I received an email from literary agent Stephen Barbara. He'd read my blog and asked if I had ever thought of writing something for publication. Yeah, I said. Fast forward three years, and now I have a story, a story I worked so hard on, a story that Mark Pett brought to life, and it's not going in the garbage can, it's not going to sit on my hard drive, or in a file folder, we're going to share it, and I'll tell you how that story came to be. March of 2015. I'm on the phone with Stephen Barbara and an editor, and I was sharing story ideas. I remember the connection was really bad, but I was too nervous to say anything, so I just talked really loud. I probably sounded nuts. I was pitching story ideas. None of them were setting the world on fire. Then I had one last story idea to share. It was an idea I really liked, but it was so new I hadn't had a chance to fully write it out yet. It came a couple months earlier. I was driving down the highway with my family, and my daughter asked the question, are there castles anymore? When we pulled off to get gas, I pulled out my phone, and I typed out, the very last castle. So, I didn't have much to go on, but I shared that idea with the editor. She sounded interested. She asked if she could see a draft. I said yes. At that point, all I had was a rough outline. So it was time to get to work. Here's what I had in mind to start. I thought, what if the story was a little bit like The Little House by Virginia Lee Burton? Except instead of being a little house, it was a castle. In The Little House, 
The happy ending is that the house is moved back out into the country. But if it's a castle, it can't move. It just sits there in the middle of a modern town. I also knew I wanted the story to have some mystery. I imagined a girl who lives in the town with the castle. No one knows what's inside. And the girl is the only one brave enough to find out. As for what was in the castle, I had some ideas, including a group of people clinging to the past, cats. That was a pretty bad idea. But none of the ideas was quite right. Whatever it was would set the course for the entire story I knew. Thinking about the theme led me to a better answer for what was inside. From the beginning, I saw the very last castle as a story about isolation versus community. Whatever was inside the castle should bridge that divide. And that's when I had my idea. So once I knew what was inside the castle, I plotted out the story again. Then I started drafting and drafting and drafting. At a certain point, I think I was just scared to say it was done. Then I got a call from Stephen. He asked me how the castle story was coming. Question. When is something you've made truly ready? Answer. Never. I sent it. Stephen replied right away. He said, I love this. He sent it to the editor. Who sent it back with notes? Now, I knew this would happen. I understood it. I was good with it. I read books about separating myself from my writing. So hearing there were a number of problems didn't make me feel like a bad writer. It made me nervous in a very specific way. See, I had finally figured out how to make all the parts fit. I thought that was the only way they could fit. And I was worried that if I made a big change, there would be no more story. But when I tested the waters and made some changes, my nervousness was replaced by something worse. The realization that every single thing could be changed. It made me question if there was ever really a story there at all. I went back to the main character to find some sort of anchor. I'd talk about it out loud on my morning commute. This helped me to keep focused. And it let me see that the pieces could fit together in a new way that might be even better. I worked on the story more. I showed it to some people. I got some feedback. And then I sent it back to the editor and waited. When word came back, it was bad news. The publisher decided to pass on the story. I was disappointed, but something kept me from getting too down. I still liked the story. I thought there was still a chance it could become a book. Stephen agreed and thought it was time to send it out to some other editors. We put together a list and out it went. He asked if I wanted to know about all the responses or just to let me know if there was good news. I'm not as strong as the only good news people. I wanted to know it all. How much bad news could there be? As the rejections came in, I started preparing to pick myself back up from where I would soon be. But then I got an email from Stephen. Hey, Travis, our luck is turning. Two publishers were interested. Stephen arranged with me to talk with the editor from one of them on October 7th. At work, it was our book fair week. So I had to sneak out to my car to get some privacy. The conversation went well. It was fun. I've been thinking about the story so much, it felt good to talk out loud about it. The editor was wonderful, kind, thoughtful. We were on the same page. 
And that's how the manuscript for the very last castle was sold to Tamar Brazis at Abram's Books. The following week, Abram sent an offer sheet to Stephen, along with a toy sword. It was the first time the story felt like it was out in the world, that someone else was actually thinking about it too. Next came more edits, the contract, and something I'd been anticipating for a while. Who's going to illustrate this thing? I had intentionally tried not to think about who might illustrate. I didn't want to be let down if the illustrator I had in mind couldn't do it. I also didn't know if I'd have any say in the matter. In fact, I assumed that I wouldn't. But to my delight, I did have some input. Tamar and I talked about illustrators we thought would do a great job. I remember walking around in my basement having that conversation. We were completely on the same page. There was someone I knew right away who would be wonderful. Mark Pett. The idea of a pro like Mark Pett bringing life to the story was a magical thought for me. Tamar sent Mark the story to see if he was interested. It was hard to wait. Then I got an email from Tamar. Mark Pett is on board. I was so happy. I love his books. The text finalized. It was now in Mark's hands. People would ask me how it felt to hand the story off to someone else to make the pictures. I told them I was excited. I knew Mark would do wonderful things. Somewhere along the way, we announced the book in Publishers Weekly. That was another It's Real moment. It was also a huge relief. Up until that point, I'd been extremely tight-lipped about my writing. Until I had something to show, I didn't even want to tell people I was trying. The truth was I'd been trying to write stories on and off for 10 years at that point. It was a slow process, but one person who really helped... J.K. Rowling. So I had signed up some fourth grade classes to watch the J.K. Rowling webcast back in 2009. She was doing it for classrooms around the country. And I watched it too. And one moment really stuck with me. A student asked her for writing advice, and she said, finish things. Real writers finish things. And that was pretty simple advice, and exactly what I needed to hear at that time. I've been dabbling for a bit at that point, but now I had a clear goal. Finish. The book was proof to myself that I had finished something and saw it all the way through. I was happy about that. But back to our timeline. Months passed, then I got an email from Tamar. Rough sketches of the art were attached. This was a big deal for me. I had to take deep breaths. And it was amazing. I kept looking at them over and over. A few months later came final art. Mark Pett did wonderful things. And now, the last big milestone is publication. And it has me thinking about the story officially being out in the world. In this podcast, we often ask book creators a certain question at the end of the interview. What's your hope for the book? I remember Hervé Toulet had a memorable response. He said, I hope that the book will bring me to another one. This answer did two things. It acknowledged that the response to a book is largely out of the writer's control, and two, it focused on the act of creativity as an end in and of itself. I hope people read The Very Last Castle. I hope readers have a memorable experience with it. And I'm going to keep working until all the pieces fit again. I think I hope that... 
that the book will bring me to another one. Thank you. 